1: Hello and welcome to All Stats aren't we a podcast in which Leeds fans cast the combined eye over goings on Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Michael Cuisance buyback clause of the podcast. Make the most of him or he'll soon be gone. And I'm joined by the five players out at the end of the window of the podcast, Tom Woodhead. Going, 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 gone. And finally, the second and third left-back option of the podcast. Doesn't know his left from his left. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm all right. Um, There's something quite um, familiar, isn't there, about All Stats, aren't we? Having a massive collection of left-footed writers and left-footed podcasters, but sticking me, the most right-footed player in the world, at left back. So cheers for that, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Tom Woodhead, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, sir. Mm. Right, well, let's jump straight into it. I think we've got quite a bit to, to cover today. Obviously, the most important news at the moment is that the piss boiler has just dropped. Uh, Leeds United's third strip has been released this morning, and it's guaranteed to get the boomers booming. So, um, (laughs) speaking of boomers, Darren, (laughs) what do you make of the piss boiler? Um, Well, it won't surprise
2: you to know that I think it's fucking horrible, but... (laughs) but it's not to do with the colour. The colour's actually all right, I think. It's the
1: idea behind it. <laughs> it's the idea. Yeah, no,
2: <laughs> no. It's it's the it's the weird shit camo that I'm that I'm that I'm objecting to, which is a strange thing. But it just looks fucking
1: terrible. Mm. I'm sorry, but I won't. Be, I shan't be buying it. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because I was I I had kind of uh, assumed that if it was like a really nice maroon kit. I'd actually would have got it, but it just looks awful. It's toilet, um, and so yeah, I'm not sure I'll be I'll be spending my hard earned dollars on it. But uh, how about you, Tom? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, guessing...
3: I'm Yeah, I'm just looking at the images that the club have chosen to promote this now on the official site, and they're all the players are sat in this leather chair, and it all just <laughs> it's got this real sort of strip club vibe about it. <laughs> like this sort of blue lighting on them. Like the the shirt itself looks like some kind of drapery that's designed to conceal stains and <laughs> it, it, it's it's a uh, yeah it's very um it's very exotic nightlife is how is possibly what I'd describe it as
2: but will it look good with jeans tom that's the important question that we all ask
1: ourselves <laughs> isn't it so when the next uh, woodhead art piece comes out we can't expect it to have this as as the uh, as the kit of choice then
3: um well maybe when we eventually we'll probably only play in it like four times won't we so
2: <laughs> Helder costa looks quite pleased with it though doesn't he on the website he does well he's the only one not sat
3: in the chair
1: so maybe he's just finished (laughs) wow anyway um, sorry (laughs) the real news of course is that Michael Cuisance is is heading to Leeds for a medical um exciting player we think we've we talked about him a little bit on the on the socials but um Tom Woodhead what's what's your gut reaction to this one
3: yeah, I've only watched a bit because I try not to watch too much until these signings are actually confirmed or you spend your entire life watching players that never actually arrive at Leeds United. But he seems <laughs> he seems very, um, very very assured on the ball. He seems capable of lots of things that a lot of our players aren't capable of in terms of um, uh, driving forward quickly from the rear of defence into attacking positions. Uh, his passing seems good. It looks like he's got a good touch. So um I'm excited to see what he can do if if he does come in. Um yeah. I, there's always that uh slight question mark we're hearing, you know, vague reports about his possible bad adi- bad attitude and things like that um which always gets you a little bit worried, but uh we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, you know there's a sense in which Victor Orta is just fulfilling my early Bundesliga fantasies by bringing in certain players like uh, Creusson and, and Robin Koch as well. Um Cuisance is someone who I watched a lot in the first few seasons when um, I, I first started watching the Bundesliga. So back in seventeen eighteen, um, something about the second season, I really watched um, quite heavily in the Bundesliga, and I was following um, Gladbach quite quite closely at the time as well. Um, and he was there. He had a season in seventeen eighteen where he put up about twelve hundred minutes, and he just looked really really exciting. The attitude um, issues that are touted, are the fact that he he basically forced his way out of Gladbach, he decided that he wanted to play for Bayern and that was that and it seems as though that same sort of um, approach has happened here as well. He's fed up of of playing second st- string to players like you know, Joshua Kimmich, Thomas Muller, uh, Leon Goretzka, players like that and he uh, has decided that he wants more regular minutes so um, he's he's semi-forced his way to Leeds. Um, whether or not that's a, a bad attitude I I'm not entirely sure but um, it's certainly the attitude that a lot of Leeds fans wanted Ben White to have earlier in the window um, so make true. of that what you will.
2: I was going to say if that's a bad attitude I think that's better than the bad, bad attitude of some of the players that we've had which has been quite happy to sit on their arse and take money for doing nothing and mm. I'm, I'm yeah. perfectly happy with that.
1: Yeah. But yeah, to, re- to reiterate everything that Tom was saying, like he's just a um, he. Uh, I described him yesterday, I think in in the group chat as um, Pablo Hernandez on steroids. This is this is a guy who's going to do the same sorts of creative things that that Pablo does, but he's also uh, very pressy. He's also um, strong in a defensive challenge as well. He'll be a perfect eight um, alongside Mateus Click. So there's a lot to be excited about with this. Um, I think he's in terms of comparing to someone like Rodrigo de Paul. I think he's potentially got a higher ceiling. To, to use the, um, the, the, the parlance of, of stats nerds around the world. I think if, if Cuisance comes off, then he'll he'll be a very, very good player. And that is why we're hearing that uh, Bayern have got a buyback clause on him because this guy could be next level. Um, so it's one of those ones where I think, you know, everything is, is pointing towards him probably being uh, quite good for us. Um, Darren, excited?
2: Yeah, really excited. He he, do, he does look like, like the kind of player who could take that kind of pressure off Pablo, which has been a real issue, hasn't it? For 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 a year, since since Saez left, really. That that when Pablo's out, we look desperately short of ideas. We look desperately short of creativity from the central areas, and I, I think that. From from the bits I've watched, it looks like that he'll give us that extra kind of threat that we really miss, particularly when Pablo's not there. But even sometimes when Pablo is there and he's struggling to get into a game, I think that his kind of relative lack of energy compared to other players in the team can kind of see him drifting out of games at times, like at Liverpool maybe. So I'm, I'm really excited for this
1: one. In other transfer news, Bryce Hosanna um, moving out on loan to Bradford City, uh, which uh, actually surprised me. He's been playing a little bit for the under-23s, which I didn't expect. He'd been playing in the middle of a back three and looked, I thought, pretty assured. Uh, but obviously, we've got hundreds of centre-backs at the moment. So um, I'm guessing he's just, again, wanting minutes and the club's decided it's best to send him out there. Um, Darren, any, any exciting thoughts about Bryce Hosanna to Bradford City? Just that...
2: When I've seen him play with the twenty threes uh, live, he's been someone that I've really that, that that to me has looked like he's stood out. And I've seen him play um, on the right of a back three a couple of times, and, and he, he he looks he looks a cut above the twenty threes. But obviously, I don't think he's quite at Premier League level yet. So be good for him to go out and get some some first team minutes at any level, really, and and just see how he develops and see whether mm. there's something there. Mm.
1: Uh, speaking of the under twenty threes, they had a fairly comfortable win on. Uh, Monday, 3-1 against Sunderland and Sam Greenwood getting a hat-trick against his former club. Uh, Under-23s, Tom, have you watched much of them this season? Are you you excited about the prospect of uh, some of the players coming through? I can't say I've watched many of the full games because they tend to be
3: on at times when I'm working or... Mm. the last one, the camera angle was so low that it felt almost completely pointless even trying to watch it. So
1: but It makes you aware, doesn't it, of, of what the managers actually see yeah, on yeah, the sideline. I, mean, it, uh, I yeah. can't understand why most managers don't just sit up in the stands because you get such a better view. But Yeah, we well are. Bielsa deliberately drops even lower than that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. so, he likes knows? to make it hard, right? It's, yeah. You can't make it too easy for the uh, opponents. Yeah. I did announce on the last podcast that, that there was nothing happening until the the City game, but there has been a rescheduling of the under-23s game versus Middlesbrough to Friday, which I think indicates that the EFL trophy match will be maybe taken with a little bit more seriousness than the the original one where we fielded our 18s. Um, so keep an eye out for, for that game on Friday. Right, we should move on to talk about the Manchester City match, which is coming up with great speed. I had the pleasure of talking to Nico Morales this week, a journalist who's featured in the ringer, the athletic, the Howler magazine statsbomb fan sided and this is what Nico had to say. Nico, hi, how are you doing? Pretty good and yourself, yeah, not so bad. We have just come straight off the back of the the Manchester City results, so how are you how <laughs> you got feeling about that?
4: well, you know as I've said on on various podcasts and such my city fandom is waning and withering as as you know we come to grips with the uh, ethical implications of our of our servitude to um, you know global oil companies or whatever the case (laughs) is or the petro state whatever you want to call it as I'm sure will annoy some diehard city fans but You have to deal with reality at some point. Either way, I still have an appreciation for the kind of football that Pep Guardiola plays, and I have an emotional attachment to some of the players and so on. So, you know, it's not great to see, but at the same time, it is just football. So I I enjoy it either way.
1: So we like to joke with you about the time when you asked a group of friends whether or not City had a (laughs) chance of winning the Premier League last season. So do City have a chance of winning the Premier League this season?
4: Of course they do. They always do. That's undeniable. Um I think what factors into it obviously is the competition and how stiff it can be and you know things are things are going to be exceptionally strange with the Premier League now and football as a whole because you know there's going to be so much of it. There was the brief pause because of the global pandemic and arguably that pause should have been a, a, a quite a lot longer but you know the system of ever increasing and ever uh i don't know incorporating capitalism has to move on and so um you know it, it's it's interesting seeing football in, in, in that regard but yeah City always have a chance because they have the best players and they have one of the best coaches and they have all of the resources but it's not easy going this season
1: so last last season um was unlucky according to the underlying numbers And we've talked about that a fair amount of time on this podcast. Where do you come down on the city underperforming slash Liverpool overperforming XG debate?
4: You know, it's, it's an interesting thing because when I started writing about football and, and I wrote about it through the lens of analytical and statistical and tactical terms, there was a moment a a while where, you know, I, I wanted everything to sort of be verified and pass through that particular mode or conception of knowledge. But I think there's a lot of things that analytics don't see and if you have a basic understanding as to how they function um, with regards to codifying and quantifying things that are observable observable phenomena whatever you want to call it um you you can see that 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 there are holes in it and uh they're pretty significant and you just have to use which isn't to say that they can't be made you know to be useful and they can't be gained to uh, used to to gain some form of insight but you can't just, you can't just go off of that. And, and I think a lot of people know that, and I, I kind of fall in between as to where those those numbers f- uh, find their functionality. Um, I'm certainly not someone that derides them, and I am certainly someone that has used them to, to, to a certain extent. Um, but that's sort of a long-winded way of saying, I think the idea that Liverpool, for example, were extraordinarily lucky is a little bit overblown with regards to the underlying numbers across the past, you know, couple of seasons because they are a very good team and individual talent and individual brilliance can always be quantified and, and sort of exists outside of the medium as well as, you know, some of the things that Klopp does with regards to a transitional system in the same way that I think some of the pitfalls of Pep Guardiola's kind of football. Um, in both the chances it creates and the chances it tends to concede, uh, are you know exist within the blind spot of analytical or statistical codification. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think were City a little bit unlucky with regards to a lot of the results last year, probably. But are there cogent and clear issues that need to be uh, addressed within the team?
1: Undoubtedly,
4: and, and that was clear. Uh, today against Leicester.
1: Um, there's obviously no point reading into the current season too much, but um, City at the moment do seem a little bit jaded. Um, I'm thinking of the way that they dropped out of the Champions League and the recent loss to, to Leicester. What do you think is going on? Um, or am I just reading too much into things?
4: You know, as far as narrative goes, there is a, probably a suggestion to say that ever since Mikel Arteta, ever since Dome, uh forget his last name, but he left to New York City FC and now is at a club in South America you know that was his um, part of his sort of coaching entourage and City have lacked in certain regards since their departures Uh, Dome was two seasons ago and Mikel Arteta was obviously last season took the job at Arsenal but he now has Juan Malilo, which was a guy that played a significant role in his sort of development as a, as a football idealist. Um, and to some extent, I think the narrative would suggest that Pep was Pep is going in that direction. You know, maybe the build-up play and the shape in, in certain respects is, is perfect with regards to how they believe to see football, um, but perhaps not perfect from a practical or pragmatic standpoint. I wouldn't necessarily get on that train, but at the same time, I think... Because of the nature of sort of adaptive and reactive tactics, teams within the Premier League, which are teams that have the best resources uh, in comparison to the rest of the top five leagues in Europe, are starting to figure out how best to attack this team. And you still have to be very good to do it. I remember when I wrote something regarding um, Liverpool's approach to Manchester City a few years ago when they beat them in the Champions League. It was the sort of thing where, you know, people and journalists and other all kinds of Persons within the football media sphere were claiming like, okay, is this, you know, the silver bullet? Do we understand how to beat Manchester City now? And to a certain extent, that was true. You know, it lied within the midfield pressing traps and provoking certain actions and so on and so forth. But you had to have an exceptional level of quality as both a manager and a player to... uh, Enact that plan. So you know you can see the blueprint all you want, but if you didn't have the materials and if you didn't have the capacity, um, it wasn't really going to matter. I think that's changing a little bit now, where the level of the average level of player in the Premier League has gone up a significant amount because of the money that's gone into the league and the the difference of player as well as the manager. You know there are so many talented managers in the Premier League, and I think. Today against Leicester was a perfect example with with regards to the kind of approach that uh, a team can take. Leicester are certainly at the closer to the top of the pile than, than the bottom, but that a team can take to sort of get rid of or negate a lot of uh, City's tactics that have made them uh, so successful on both ends of the both ends of the pitch.
1: You've mentioned Jurgen Klopp there, and Jurgen Klopp is a manager who a lot of people have pointed to in terms of his ability to evolve as a coach. Um, particularly fitting his style of football into the Premier League where he's obviously wants to play quite a high pressing game but he's made his team play a lot more possession-based football to suit the Premier League and the fact that Liverpool are going to be dominant. Um, Do you think that Guardiola is developing as a coach or do you think he's sort of um, tactically, idealistically almost exactly the same as he's always been?
4: I think if you look at the difference between his Barcelona sides and his Byron sides, there's clearly a stark difference, right? There's a stark difference to the shape. There's a stark difference to how he used certain, let's say, positions or certain players in certain roles. Um, but we haven't really seen as much of that with this Manchester City team. We saw immense innovation at the beginning within the first two or three years. Uh, and now I think to a certain extent, if we're talking you know sort of theoretically or practically or ideologically with regards to tactics there hasn't been a ton of change it's just been a synthesis of the shape that they've always looked to go for one thing that i think pep has kind of given up on which he He always wanted to do from the beginning was this sort of 3-4-3 formation um that he wanted to make use of and it just never really worked out and it was a little bit more transitional so maybe in that regard um he could advance in that sense but yeah i think Uh, Other coaches, like Jurgen Klopp, like you say, have made more significant strides in that direction, but at the same time, I think it's something that's done by committee. You know, a lot of credit with regards to where Liverpool are right now is not just down to Klopp, I think, for a lot of people in the football media world, but it's down to his assistant, uh, Linders, and, and, and a variety of other people on the coaching staff, as well as, you know, with any successful manager. So they need help. They need help with certain ideas, and... Maybe Pep can take some of that on because it's not, I think we often think of the managerial role as like a sole idea, as a unilateral thing that Mm. that focuses on one member. And that's been true in the past. But if we look at some of the more successful coaches, I think they do it with the help of several other people.
1: So tactically, where would you say Guardiola City is right now? What are the basic ideas behind his team? Well, if you look at
4: today, I think there was a really bright start in the first 15 minutes and that is down to them getting in their possession shape really quickly, you know, the five across the front, the free eights if you want to call them that or, or the, the midfield shape. Um allowing Kevin De Bruyne and other central players to have a lot of time on the ball and then the recycling of possession through the center backs and so on and so forth. I think that's kind of the general tactical idea is that they're able to maintain possession and manipulate the, shape of the defensive shape of the opposition really well because they recycle the ball really quickly and really aggressively, but they're also in that shape very quickly, and they allow their players to sort of take up those roles with a – Certain degree of consistency that you know allows for um, a lot of, let's say, uh, success. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's the, kind of the general idea. The problem is that the problem is that the problem that has always existed with this formation is that in transition, if teams are able to beat the countermeasures, which is the counter press, then they can be suspect. Not necessarily because the players are bad, but because. Any defender in a one-on-one situation or any defender in an overloaded situation when in transition is going to struggle. And especially right now, City don't have necessarily a plethora of particularly gifted players in transition. You know, Fernandinho has gotten a lot older. Eric Garcia is certainly no physical specimen. Benjamin Mendy has always been questionable in that regard. Kyle Walker is getting older. So that's kind of, I think, the, the tactical... bug bug bear that has always plagued the city side is that they establish themselves very well in possession, and if they're able to continue that across 90 minutes, which they often do, um, they don't have a ton of issues, but with teams that are able to bully them a little bit physically in transitional stages or stop them from doing what they want in possession, there's a lot of problems.
1: And in that respect, they're very similar to Leeds United. I mean, and we're going to talk about the the, overla- uh, the overlap between Bielsa and Guardiola in a second. But before we get to that, let's just talk a little bit about the fact that City have been coming out in a four two three one this season. Why do you think this is? Is it just in response to the injury crisis they've got at the moment, or is there something more to it?
4: I think to a certain extent it is because of the personnel issues, but also it's to kind of finally figure out this Rodri Fernandinho situation. I don't think for whatever reason... Rodri has been able to replicate the transitional stability that was consistent with Fernandinho and he could play as much as he did and play the role that he did in midfield. Um, so I think that that he's there. Or they are deployed in tandem to try to make the best of that partnership, but obviously it hasn't worked to some extent. I think if you look at one of the goals today against Leicester, one of them was sort of a miscommunication or a lapse of concentration, at least defensive concentration, from both Rodri and uh, Mendy. So that's that's kind of the, part of the problem. Um, but I think that's partially why the four-two-three-one has been deployed is because they need an added sense, an added sense of security in transition that. I think theoretically Fernandinho and Rodri um, deployed in tandem would solve, but it's, it's not um, it's not coming to be. At the same time, I also think part of the problem is the the pressing from the front, which has kind of come and gone because there's no consistency in the striker position with regards to uh, you know Sergio Hueto's injury or Gabriel Gabriel Jesus is now injured and uh, Liam Delap is kind of taking that role, but we'll probably see a lot of chopping and changing in that in that position and across the front um, altogether because of how much personnel change there has been.
1: So you've, you've talked about the um, overlap between the way that Guardiola plays football and the way that Bielsa plays football. Um, I'd say that they're both very similar in in terms of possession. They both um, want, want high possession um, and they're going to respond to turnovers of possession with a, with a high intensity press. The difference is, Um, As I see it, the Bielsa has a a um, man-orientated structure off the ball and uh, Guardiola is obviously more zonal. How do you think this is going to have any influence on the way that the game is approached by these two two managers?
4: I think there's a pretty good example of this uh, when you you have two teams that want to dominate the majority of the ball and especially when you have two managers who... Don't really have a plan B when it comes to I would like to dominate the majority of the ball. I think probably Bielsa has more of one now because he realizes he realizes he needs to adapt to the Premier League in the position that he's in with regards to the quality that um, Leeds United have, at least in the immediacy. But in what was it, maybe perhaps first or second year when they had Barcelona and in the champions league, you know, he said, regardless of the fact that we're not super great at keeping possession yet and doing all the things that I want us to do, we're still going to go there and try to possess the ball. And, you know, Barcelona were really a force to be reckoned with at the time. Um, So I think regardless of, of the circumstances, managers like Bielsa and, and Guardiola are going to want to do that what results is that i think they become in the immediacy in 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 that time maybe that time before the game what you what you start to see a little bit more is what is not clear the majority of the time with pep and with the this city side as a whole is a clear defensive shape because they're not used to being one right mm. they're used to pressing so aggressively and if there's an extended period of time where where they're off the ball the defensive shape doesn't seem super structured because they're so used to pressing out of it uh but against barcelona i specifically barcelona and other teams that year i specifically remember the team holding a shape at least for a certain period of time because that was just the reality of the situation barcelona at the time were much much better at maintaining possession and city just couldn't cope so i think bielsa or Guardiola, whatever the case is, whoever wins out in the possession game will end up trying to adapt by saying, Listen, if we do if we're not able to get ourselves out of this situation by possessing the ball in the immediacy, the defensive shape needs to be consistent and needs to be structured and it needs to be discernible. And that's part of the problem that, that City have, and I think teams like City have, is that a consistent and discernible defensive shape creates a, a structure that you know, can protect the back four, can protect the back line, can protect the spaces in between. Um, and if you don't have that and you're not used to being in that as a player, it can be difficult to defend and gaps open up a little bit more easily.
1: Do you think he'll change up the system from the 4 3 one this weekend or do you think he'll keep it the same?
4: The main thing, like I said, is the inconsistency in the striker role and he'll probably be looking to change that a little bit more, maybe put Raheem there or... Maybe even Kevin De Bruyne, because what we saw against Leicester, I think, as the game went on was that because they were fouling uh, Kevin in transition so much, he eventually put him a little bit further forward and asked him to receive the ball um, with his back to the goal and try to make something happen in that regard, sort of like a striker would. Um, so maybe we'll see something from, from De Bruyne in the, in the central striker role, and that I think will change uh, the basic idea of the formation.
1: And in terms of the personnel within that formation, how do you think the City are going to line up?
4: I would say he likes the width and consistency that Mares brings with regards to staying on in wide areas. I think it will probably be a, a similar um, backline injuries permitting uh, and then probably a midfield of yeah, Rodri, Kevin and Foden with Raheem and see someone else up there that's that's probably the, the most difficult part but i think it will they'll focus on the pressing because they they know Leeds will be wanting to have the ball and if they can get them off of it the defensive shape again is 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 a susceptible part of their game so mm. it will be a very quick and aggressive uh front line i imagine
1: and uh, which players do you think city need to have performing well in order to cause Leeds problems
4: Kevin De Bruyne is key to any city success. I think not just because he's one of the best players in the world, it's an obvious answer, but he is what allows them to be still good in transition. I think you are at the top of the list of people that can appreciate the quality that he brings with um, the kind of passing that he has. You know, it doesn't require players to slow down and that's key in transition. You know, you're an ability, a player's ability to receive the ball to the, foot that they're running with and then take a touch is, is just something that goes, I think, under appreciated in the modern game, especially with regards to transition. Um, but I think as well, Raheem Sterling and his pressing ability and, and just his runs and chaos that he can create, uh, as well as, you know, Ferne- Ferran Torres is, is someone that I haven't been particularly impressed by thus far, but, you know, in a wide transitional game that we might end up seeing, he, he could prove
1: decisive. And how do you expect the game to go? How do you expect it to flow, ebb and flow? How how will the game look to to us as we watch it? Do you think?
4: I think it'll be the first thirty minutes will be about which team establishes possession. Uh, I think that will probably go to City, and then we'll probably see a transitional game, uh, depending on. <laughs> Depending on the goals that are conceded or not conceded, um, from that point on, you know, if it's if it's if City start racking up the chances, then Leeds might want to sink into something of a defensive shell to the uh, to the uh, you know to Marcelo Beals' delight or not. Um, but if if the chances stay open and the game stays nil nil, I think it'll get a little bit more touchy as the game goes on.
1: Well, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, as always. If people want to read more of your stuff, where should they go?
4: They can find me on Twitter at Nico underscore O Morales.
1: Cool. Well, enjoy the game at the weekend, and, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It should be a really fascinating one, I think. It really should, yeah.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: So that was Nico Morales, a football writer who has appeared in a number of places. Tom, what did you make of that? Yeah, um, it, it it was
3: relatively vague. A lot of the um, I, I don't feel like we learned a great deal about how City are going to approach this game um, specifically. Um, I'm sort of interested in whether Guardiola, because he admires Bielsa so much, will do one of his sort of over tinkering. Um, games where he, he does something really weird and sometimes it comes off and looks like genius and sometimes it's a bit uh, almost uh, messing around with things for the sake of it. How about you, Dan?
2: Yeah, I think that the thing that kind of struck me as I was listening to it was that, that the kind of key narrative word for this game really is, is transition, in that uh, Man City seems to be in a real period of transition from their kind of glorious uh, team a couple of years ago into 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 something new, and I'm not quite sure, and I don't think anybody is what what that looks like. I think Leeds are in a transition from a Championship team and building something for the, for the Premier Premier League, but also that within the game transitions will be the most important and key points, and and managing those transitions will be the thing which which either sees as kind of stay in the game as a competitive force until you know late on or could see as taken apart because I think a few times against against Fulham and against Sheffield United we've we've been caught in transition and because they haven't got the quality to take advantage of it we've we've kind of managed to get away with it so it'd be really interesting to kind of to, to look at that and I think it's going to be quite a nerve shredding uh, game to be honest.
1: Yeah I think it's it is a fascinating one um, from the perspective of the fact that you know both teams are very very similar stylistically and this is the thing that I find so interesting about it both teams will be trying to do similar things I think if I were to describe the similarities and differences between what City do and what Leeds do is that City are, are dom- dominant and try and build up in sort of higher areas on, on the wing um, they've obviously got great forward players but players like uh, Raheem Sterling and um, Riyad Mahrez and players like Bernardo Silva um, all exciting, creative players out wide, and obviously Kevin De Bruyne can drift into those areas as well. We build up through the, through the, I'd say the full back areas, maybe a little bit more. We start a little bit deeper, and um, um, but in many respects, everything. I mean, the the formula is there. There's a reason why Guardiola uses Bielsa as a um, as an inspiration, um, and both teams will be looking to get possession as much as possession as they can, try and break the other team down, and obviously that can't happen <laughs> both teams aren't going to get 60 percent possession here because that's impossible um the real difference is going to be off the ball and um yeah. i think that's the that they're the questions that we need to be asking here because i think we we talk a lot about um bielsa's man-oriented marking system outside out of possession and um Guardiola is using a uh, a zonally marking um, or zonally orientated marking system, and I think the the big question with Guardiola is always how is he going to manage with those quick transitions when his team loses possession and their press is beaten, Um, because that seems to be um, the the driving issue behind the the shift that they've had to four two three one and sticking to midfielders in um in a defensive sort of more defensive uh, defensive orientation with the double pivot so um before we get onto that though, let's just let's just cover a, a couple of the, the 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 basic stuff so um how do we think that bielsa will approach this game darren do you think that do you think this is another free hit and um with that in mind, you know, there's always a sort of tendency for you to be like, well, we're not expected to win this, so we can sort of use it to our advantage and maybe try and get something out of the game. What do you think our our objective should be for this game and what do you think it will be? Uh, I
2: think our objective should be to to stay in the game and and keep it as competitive for as long as we possibly can, because... I think City are one of those teams, obviously they're, they're just as likely to throw in an unexpected defeat at the moment as they are a a, a cricket score victory. But either, either of those things is equally possible. So for me, if we're going into the 70th, 75th minute, still in touch, still in the game, whether that be a goal behind, whether that be level... Um, I, I think that should be our objective, but but, I, but we all know full well by now that that's not how Bielsa's going to set the team up. Bielsa's going to look at the game and he's going he's to be trying to win it and, and he'll be doing it through sticking to the same style that we've seen for the last two years. And, and that's absolutely right and proper because as he's sort of pointed out many times, if he changed his style and his approach dependent on the opponent, then the players would lose faith on it when faith in the style um, and, and that would, you know, kind of create its own problems. So uh, it's going to be really fascinating, really fascinating.
1: Tom, do you think this is a good time to play City? Um, obviously, they've just come off the back of that that game against Leicester City, um, where where they um, essentially got deep blocked and turned over on the counter-attack. Um, I, I suppose the... the Resulting question is that is there ever a good time to play City? But um, I suppose maybe this this question should be more. Will we've just seen Leicester sort of deep block their way to a win against City? Do you think that do you think there's any chance that we might try and do something similar? Not really. I mean, I could
3: I could maybe see some small tweaks to account for the fact that Man City are going to have the ball a lot more than we are. I think anyway. I Mm. you know it's I know both teams like to keep possession, but we're clearly a lot more direct in the final third, and that'll mean that Man City end up having more of the ball than us, I think, unless something strange happens. Um, I, yeah, is there ever a good time to play City? Um, probably not for us, I'd say, because as we've said, we play quite a similar style to them, and in a situation like that, if they just have far better players, so it's always going to be really, really hard for us to you know to play a team like City, because as as I said, they've they just have that individual quality that even if we execute our tactical plan perfectly we could lose to a 3-0 because you know Kevin De Bruyne could do something amazing or you know one of their many other players could you know do something incredible so it, you know we talked earlier about quissons being like uh being like Pablo on steroids and in some ways Man City are a bit like us on steroids mm. because they just have that quality you know especially in a and and you know the wide positions in attack that you know it can, it can tear teams apart especially when you leave the kind of gaps that we naturally do at the back uh, when we're you know committing men forward trying to attack and as Darren said uh, in the transition our defensive transition especially I think that's where. We're going to need to be absolutely 100% on it if we want to get anything out of this game.
1: We've talked about the, the structure already, um, Darren. How do you feel about City tactically? We've we talked about the fact that they seem to be in transition at the moment um, into a 4-2-3-1 um, away from their famous 4-3-3. Do you expect that to be the way that they approach this game and um, how do you think we should counter that?
2: I think so. I think I think that it's likely that he'll stick with that system because he knows how, how likely we are to flood men forward and I think that that... That Guardiola will probably envisage that, giving them kind of an extra level of of security. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be absolutely fascinating how we attack that because I, th- I think that you know we as as we've said we, we tend to do a lot of our build up in the wide areas and and their kind of double pivot will will sit quite centrally for a lot of the game. I think so. I think that there there is joy to be had down the sides. I, I think that Kyle Walker and, and Mendy are can can be vulnerable. Um, I think that. Although Alioski isn't as good technically or on the ball as Harrison, I think he's likely to give Kyle Walker some real problems if Walker plays it right back. Just through his sheer energy and application mm-hmm. and being a general pain in the arse. Um, and, and similarly I think Costa could get some joy from from Mendy. So it's whether we can get the ball to to them really is, is the mm-hmm. kind of key for me. If we can get the ball to our wingers and, and flood men into the box, and I think we could cause some problems as we did at times against Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I do you think there are similarities between this game and the Liverpool game because as I see it, that double pivot is being used as a way of trying to get both Fernandinho and, and Rodri into the team. They, that, they, they'll want Rodri in the team in, in terms of his distribution, but they're, I think, just a little bit worried about his defensive cover. And and having the, the double pivot... Um, We, we, we read that piece from the, um, from the space, space, space newsletter about the double pivot. Um, and his sort of conclusion was, I thought a little bit vague, but this, this idea that, you know, actually this double pivot can work quite well because it doesn't actually function much like a double pivot. Um, what, what what I've been seeing from City so far this season is you, you sort of set the d- double pivot in and you allow your full backs to get forward and you can just rotate the double pivot in to cover from that left back position or left back or right back position as and when is needed in the build up or in the in the defensive transition and um, and in many respects, you know that's kind of similar to what Liverpool do. You know they've got their three midfielders who sort of offer defensive cover, and they try and push their fullbacks high. And I think that's what we'll see from City. Um, we're going to see them trying to get their fullbacks high, and so it's just going to be another case of of trying to get those balls in, like Calvin Phillips's ball to Jack Harrison, which resulted in our first goal against Liverpool. It's going to be that that same sort of thing. Um, City are going to be pressing high it's going to be interesting to see what we look like in the um in the uh, sort of build-up phase because um, we've been quite critical because whenever teams have come out and pressed us quite um aggressively in in our own half we've we've not looked good um with the obviously with the exception of um uh, of last week against Sheffield United who are a little bit more defensive sat, sat deeper and we looked I thought a lot more convincing like that so those i think are going to be the the questions that, that need to be asked are we going to be able to get possess, uh, possession and in the build-up phase for long enough to be able to put good balls into our wide players um and and how will we go from there
3: i think regarding the double pivot as well i think if you're guardiola you 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 want both click and whoever the other central mm. midfielder is whether it's roberts or rodrigo i think you want them pressing closer to your own box you want you want your players deep your two Central midfielders deeper, so that they're pressing higher, and and with with the, how good those two players, Rodri and Rodri and uh, Fernandinho, are on the ball, if they can, you know, pick the right pass, then, you know, then De Bruyne or, or Sterling or whoever has got the ball in our fi- in our third, mm. and you know our two central our two eights are pressed really high up, up their end of the pitch and have to run back. So, I th- I think it's it'd be the right way to go against us for for mm. a team like City.
1: And do you expect to see us in a four one four one then.
3: Yeah, I don't see any reason, knowing Bielsa's usual logic, that we'd play a back three here.
1: Um, so I guess then the question will be, if we assume that Stuart Dallas is going back to left back, uh, we play Cooper and Cock and Ailing in that back four. Um, the question is, who plays in the central midfield? You've alluded to, it could be Rodrigo, could be Tyler Roberts, it's unlikely to be Cuisance, um, even if he's uh, available. So, So who goes in the central midfield slot, do we think?
3: I think it's going to be Roberts and Rodrigo coming on at half time again probably. Um it, it I know it seems like slightly fuzzy logic but it does I, it seems like Bielsa values uh, Roberts' off the ball work and and his ability to retain the shape of the team in the first half and then in the second half Rodrigo can, uh, Rodrigo can provide a bit more creativity but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hugely surprised to see Rodrigo start but you know I'd say it's about 60 40 but I I'm not saying it's necessarily what I would choose, but I think Roberts will start.
2: I think Rodrigo probably played his, played himself in, into that slot um, with his performance in the second half of the weekend. I thought he was noticeably much, much better in, in the role than, than Roberts was and kind of had much more influence on the game. So I, I'm kind of expecting to see Rodrigo start the game and then Roberts to perhaps come on... Um, Maybe, maybe for Bamford because I think Bamford's going to have to do a lot of work in this game, um, and so maybe I'm thinking that that uh, Rodrigo will posh, uh, may push up front and and drop Roberts into the, the midfield in the second half at some point. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, like you say, it's it's fifty
1: fifty. Anyone's guess. The other big question is obviously Jack Harrison, who as a loanee from Manchester City won't be a bit available for selection. Uh, we saw Jan Pavedo playing last week. Are we just assuming that's going to be a like-for-like like swap with with? Um, well, I say like-for-like, like, but Jan Pavedo is going to come on on one side, and presumably Helder Costa will be on the other. Darren,
2: no, I'm expecting Alyoski on the left and Costa on the right, um, just because I think that uh, Alyoski is that much more tuned into the kind of defensive side of the game, and tuned into the pressing, tuned into that kind of side of the workload. Um, and although I think he's got you know kind of flaws as a as a as a footballer in possession and and in build up, I I, I think that I think we'd, we'd be remiss to kind of um, to leave him out just on the the basis of his defensive work at the, the weekend.
1: Any advance on that, Tom?
3: Yeah, I, it always slightly depresses me when we have to play Alioski on the wing. To be honest, it's it always feels a bit <laughs> uninspiring. Like as much as I like him as a player and his energy and everything, his attacking output is not incredible, is it? But I think I'd probably broadly go along with that. I mean, I wouldn't be hugely surprised again if if it was Perveda on the right and Costa on the left, but I'd probably imagine that Alioski will start. And in in that situation, I would imagine Perveda would be one of the first thoughts in Bielsa's head to bring on if we go behind or if we if it's just not working creatively with Alioski on the wing.
1: In terms of the 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 wider squad selection then Bamford obviously up front um and Click in, in the midfield as well and that's pretty much the team um, I, let's talk about Bamford and, and Rodrigo we don't see any chance that, that Rodrigo is just going to come on as a as a Bamford replacement we're seeing him as a replacement for Roberts or maybe even starting from the, from the off in the central midfield position
3: he's not going to drop Bamford now is he so no. uh, you mean during the game or like yeah
1: I was thinking more during the game
3: yeah, I mean, I suppose it could happen.
1: I, I guess it totally depends on how Bamford's playing, right? Yeah, and we've seen, I guess, before Tyler Roberts play in the midfield um, scenario and then get pushed forward. So there's no reason why Rodrigo couldn't start in the midfield and then get pushed forward. Although I suppose um, with his with his fitness, I suppose perhaps that's less likely than than Roberts doing it.
3: Yeah, I sort of prefer the idea of Roberts up front and Rodrigo in midfield than the other way around, personally, but. I know Rodrigo I'm sure Rodrigo would rather it be him up front and Roberts in midfield
1: it's funny isn't it because it just feels like we're so light in central midfield in that central midfield position um that we 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 either sort of have the option of like playing a striker as a as a sort of an advanced date or Dallas as a as a drop date it would be quite nice just having the option of like an out and out central midfielder who you feel as though could do a good job there rather than sort of patching in a hole um so, yeah, I, I guess there's no chance that Cuisance is going to come in, but it's a shame because I feel like this it would be, be a great game for us to really get a good measure of, of how I mean, we, he do, we
3: do have Shackleton, but Bielsa, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to think that he's ready to take that mantle on.
1: Yeah, I, I always wonder about Shackleton, actually, because it seems to me that, that he almost sees Shackleton as more of a, a sort of right-back option. Um, I guess he doesn't like him under pressure, um, he would rather have him in build up phases in wide areas where you know if you lose the ball you lose the ball um he's he, like you say he's never he never really trusted him in in the central midfield space apart from at the end of last season um sorry the season before last now i should say um when he when he played in the but again that was because of injury so there wasn't really much option that we had um but yeah it'll be it will be um it'll be interesting to see how how shackleton's um career develops from here um I always ask this question, but what players do we need to have good performances from, Darren, in order to cause Manchester City problems?
2: First and foremost, Calvin Phillips needs to to find a way to kind of um, try and keep De Bruyne out of the game as much as he possibly can, and, and that I think that will be the, the key battle which determines whether we have any chance in the game or not. Um, I think Bamford will need to go into full Patrick Bastard mode to to kind of give um City's central defenders a really difficult afternoon. Um and and then I think, you know, the kind of the, the regular solid performers, Click and Ailing, um, will 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 give their usual performances and, and and will be absolutely fine. But but for me I, I, I do think the the kind of centre forward and and, and Calvin will, will need to be really, really up on their game to give us any sort of chance of getting getting a foothold in the game.
1: So how do we expect the goal the game to unfold on Saturday Tom?
3: I think it'll start with probably the first five minutes will be quite chaotic, with the teams really going at each other and pressing, and then it'll probably settle into a pattern of City having most of the ball and us when we get the ball attacking extremely quickly. I think I think we'll play not long balls, but I think we'll play quite direct and and try and look for space as quickly as possible when we get a quick transition. Um, and yeah, and see what happens from there. I guess.
2: Do City press as effectively as they used to? That's a question which kind of comes into my mind because I know they're not playing with two eights anymore. They're playing with a double pivot instead. Um, And and therefore, I think there are opportunities for us to pass our way out. And I'm only going on the eye test, but my eye test tells me that they're not as effective in the press as they used to be, whether that's through a combination of energy, levels dropping in the press or, or dedication, or whether it's to do with the numerical advantage that they used to have. I, I don't know. It's, I think it's a question which we'll need to we'll we'll play out on the pitch on Saturday.
3: Sure, yeah. But I, I mean I d I don't necessarily think that even if we're playing out in that way, we'll we'll be doing it quickly still is what I mean. I don't think we'll be yeah. doing that playing it between the centre backs thing that we do when we've got, you uh-huh. know, sixty five percent possession. I don't think there'll be a great deal of that.
2: No, I intended it as a more general question than than just in risk but just the word press triggered the thought in my head.
1: A pressing trigger, as it were. Um, I I yep. guess the um <laughs> yeah, the, the the reality is that if you drop a midfielder Out from a from the high position into a double pivot, then it is going to influence your press. And you know, Kevin De Bruyne is a great player and he's a great defensive player, but um, he is now covering the space of two players in that central space. So you would expect that to translate into more time and space on the ball um, for players like Calvin Phillips. Um, So I think that will that will be um, something to to have a look out for. Um, But I also think that you know the, the the issues that we've seen. From Manchester City in the last few seasons have always been in that tr- defensive transitional phase where you can get you can basically get in behind their midfield, and you, you you just have a back four against whoever's attacking, and those are the those are the situations when they're v- really vulnerable in, it. and that's been the question I think of of Pep Guardiola's career in at Manchester City has been a, a slow. De- de- degradation of of that defensive transitional phase and uh, you know he's brought in this new assistant manager after Arteta came back and that's why allegedly he's brought the 4231 in and I think a lot of it has got to do with the fact that uh, they just can't keep being so f- febrile in the in the tri- defensive phase so I think that's the that's the the moment that we 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 need to really um capitalize on those those moments where you can just decompress very quickly uh through wide areas and try and you know we, we saw it happen against against Leicester you know we, you can get one-on-one with their defenders um in, into the box then you know penalties can be given away I think it was three penalties they gave away against Leicester which is which is mad um but yeah there we go I think and and do we have any hope of maybe snatching a win on this one um or is, is that wishful thinking
3: Always hope, always
1: hope, John. but uh, n- Not expectation. <laughs> well, everything is death. Nothing good ever happens. And um, what better way to what better way to end a podcast than than that? So the usual housekeeping stuff. If you like our content and you want to see more of it, head over to All Stats Aren't We on Twitter, and and you'll find other stuff going up there. I've got a piece coming out tomorrow on um, the aesthetics of of marcelo bielsa's defensive system do we look worse than we actually are in, in certain defensive situations um If you want to have even more content, we have a Patreon page where we put out bonus material for um, our paying subscribers. We have uh, video analysis that goes up there. We have bonus podcasts as well. Um, If that sounds interesting, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash allstats, aren't we, and check it out. Three people who have done that this week are Rafi Adelston, John Walsh and Rune Advarsen. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. We'll be back on Sunday. With a review episode from the Manchester City game, uh, and then we'll have a, a bit of a um, a break. I think from well, not not so much a break, but we'll we'll take a little bit of a back foot um, a back seat because the international break is around. Um, so we'll give you time to catch your breath. But nothing is left for me to do other than to say thank you, Tom. Thank you very much, and thank you, Darren, and thank you. Enjoy the weekend.